My guest this week is breast cancer survivor, Lisa Kantz. We discussed what her life was like prior to cancer, how she was involved and worked around cancer for many years, only to be diagnosed herself. We also talk about how those experiences helped propel her into writing her own memoir titled The Cancer Lady's Diary. Lisa shares the importance of staying positive, hopeful, and to always lean into your faith. Stick around. I'm your host, Samantha Bentley, and you're listening to Why Me, God. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. I can hear you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Very good. Did you have a good day? I had a wonderful day today. I'm in central Pennsylvania, and the weather was getting warm and lovely, but today it's a little chilly, but at least the sun is out, so there's some promise of some spring ahead of us. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, that's good. Um, It was a little bit bit chilly today, and... um, which has been going back and forth and I'm in North Carolina. So it's like back and forth one day. It's like right. these and then the next it's like in the thirties. So <laughs> exactly. And we've been having the same type of weather here. Yeah. So <laughs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, I'm so glad that um, we were able to get reconnected and have you on. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm just honored to, um, to be on with you, Sam. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, um, I guess we can go ahead and get started. Um, if you just kind of want to tell listeners just a little bit about yourself and, uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Well, uh, my name is Lisa, Lisa Kahn's and, um, I am a wife and mother. I live in central Pennsylvania, although I grew up in the state of Arizona in Phoenix. So this is um, a little bit new to me. I've been out here for about 20 years now. Um, Again, I'm married to my husband, Jim. He's a retired English professor, and I have two daughters, Lindsay, who's 34, and Allison, who's 33. And uh, I worked most of my career, my adult life, Um, Within the field of oncology, Um, I just more or less fell into it after I graduated college with a degree in marketing. Um, I then worked for the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona, and that's where really my love for health and and everything related to good health, good living, uh, really took took root. Um, My mother, I grew up actually, my mother's nutritionist by trade. So we always kind of lived a very healthy life as a family. And I like to, you know, continue um, that tradition with my children and my husband and my family. So when I started at Mayo Clinic, I wound up in the Department of Hematology and Oncology. And I was um, very, very blessed to meet a lot of wonderful, wonderful physicians and nurses Um, people in that field, as well as um, people from all over the world, patients from all over the world that would come to the Mayo Clinic to receive treatment for their different types of cancers. And that's where really I just really had a passion for uh, finding out more about cancer and just the people that I were meeting and such bravery 
and courage and determination uh, from from those folks that were diagnosed. It was really an inspiration to me at that time. Uh, my husband had a midlife career change and uh, wanted to go back and become an English professor, wanted to continue his studies. And that put us back on the map and that's where we landed in central Pennsylvania. Uh, when we moved here, I settled my children in junior high and I thought, gee, where am I going to find a a job, a position that I loved as much as I did with the Mayo Clinic. And I was very, very blessed to have found a job with the American Cancer Society. So once again, I found myself in the world of cancer and I loved every minute of it. I worked for them for 15 years and then left um, that organization a few years ago in 2017 to care for my mother most not only with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but with um, early onset Alzheimer's, as well as my stepfather. So uh, when I left the American Cancer Society, I was probably gone for about a year when after my mom had passed, I came back home. She was residing in Dallas, and I had needed to get my annual mammogram. At the time, I was 59 years old, and I had had mammograms every year since I was 40. And when I, as like most women, or not most women, I shouldn't say most women, a few women, because it's really a very small percentage of, of women that when they have their annual mammograms, they, uh, the physicians or the radiologists might see some areas of concern, which is what they did for me. So um, the next step when you have a, a screening mammogram is to have a diagnostic mammogram. And that kind of zeroes in on the area of concern. And one thing led to another, as some women will be able to relate to, and some men too, because 2% of the uh, folks that are diagnosed with breast cancer are men. So we can't leave them out. But I proceeded to have a biopsy, and that biopsy proved positive that I did indeed have breast cancer. Um, it was sort of a shock, even though I, I lived in the world of pink for 15 years with the American Cancer planning and coordinating support groups and workshops and events and 5K walks. Um, and met hundreds, like literally hundreds of breast cancer survivors. And now here I was one of them. So that was uh, late in 2018. I had just turned 60. Uh, my father passed away of prostate cancer when he was 60. So I thought to myself, this is going to be a little bit of a tough year for me. I hope, you know, that I'll, that I'll surpass my, my first year in that decade but I didn't have any such luck. Nonetheless, I was diagnosed with triple positive breast cancer, meaning that I am estrogen and progesterone and HER2 positive breast cancer. So for me, I went ahead and had chemotherapy, which included an immunotherapy uh, specifically targeted for those uh, men and women with HER2 positive breast cancer and that is Herceptin and Progetta. I all, then I had a lumpectomy, radiation, 
and now I'm on an estrogen suppressing medication for the next five to 10 years. Um, and that's called Arimidex. So that's where I am now. I'm, I'm about three years. I'm 63 now. I'm about two and a half years out um, from treatment and diagnosis, and I'm feeling wonderful. And I uh, had a conversation with my oncologist recently. Well, actually not recently, a little bit ago. And she said, well, now that you're retired and, and you've gotten through your treatment, what are you going to do with your time? And I said, well, you know, I always love to write all throughout my entire life. I'm from, you know, I was raised in the state of Arizona, and we had a very prolific writer that I happened to be a neighbor of ours, and her name was Irma Bombeck, and she was just a very inspirational person for my family, and um, we knew of her coming from the state of Arizona. Of course, she was a neighbor. So I thought, you know, I would really like to write, and, and maybe I can write a little bit about my story of what I went through with breast cancer. And she said, Lisa, that would be wonderful with your experience um, working for the Mayo Clinic and the American Cancer Society, along with your personal experience having breast cancer and having gone through treatment, so forth, you would be a great person to write about it. And so that's what I did. It took me a year and I wrote a story. I wrote not a story, but really a memoir of my experience um, with breast cancer. And I wrote it because I found out that when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, even though I had a background in cancer, um, I really didn't know all there was to know about breast cancer. I was really really in shock um, from the things that I would soon learn that I didn't know. I remember when my radiologist called to tell me that I was, you know, I had tested positive for breast cancer. She proceeded to tell me everything about my pathology report. And she said, Lisa, I'm going to tell you all this in layman's terms, because I know you'll understand what I'm talking about and then she proceeded to tell me everything and I hung up the phone and I looked at my husband and I said I I really don't know all that she was talking about so I wanted to write a book that was a basic book about inf basic information about breast cancer all types of breast cancer I also wanted women to know that when you are diagnosed with breast cancer, you, you hear lots of women that will want to share with you their experience. But I want women to know that each of us, our experience is quite unique. We have a lot of commonality and similarity, but then each of our journey is really unique. And that is based on a lot of factors such as age, health, our mental health, the state of our emotional health, and then our staging, the type of cancer, and then our genetic makeup. So I like women to know that when they hear stories about breast cancer, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to travel the same journey. And then lastly, I wrote the book because 
I know from my own personal experience, when I looked for books to read, whether it be in the library or on Amazon, um, I would find lots of books about statistics and numbers and prognoses and so forth and so on. But I really didn't really get a feeling of a personal journey of a woman or a gentleman's personal journey with cancer. I also was so bogged down with statistics and so it, it can be at times so overwhelming and frightening that I wanted to write a book that would include other stories as well so that not only am I telling my story and giving information about, about breast cancer, but I was also sharing other stories that I know a lot of folks will relate to and maybe some they'll find very interesting. Um, stories definitely that will be humorous and that can make folks laugh as well as um, stories where I can share my faith and really ultimately for myself, it's my faith that ultimately got me through. So here I am um, talking to you today as I mentioned, two and a half years roughly after my diagnosis and treatment, and about a year later after I went ahead and wrote my book and had it published on Amazon. Wow. So I thought you would be a wonderful person to talk to because of your um, background in faith and in our belief. And I think that's really, really crucial to anyone going through a hardship or a time of crisis. Right. So I just wanted to share my story and and touch upon that yeah. that factor. Mm -hmm. Well, that is that's quite a testimony. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's amazing to me, like how you you were in that world for so long, and then to be diagnosed yourself, and I'm sure that had to be a surreal feeling. You know, Sam, that's exactly uh, how I felt. I really didn't feel like um, many, many women do. You know, why me? Why did it happen to me? Because I like folks to know that all of us have cancer cells in our body. It's just a, you know, they just are a natural phenomenon within our body. Each of us has them. It's just a matter of if they're going to turn on or go rogue, if you will, or not. And for some folks, it happens. And for other folks, you know, it doesn't. And so I, I never thought that I, you know, would not see cancer maybe in my lifetime, but I honestly never thought it would be breast cancer, which is so funny. Um, so it was surreal that after all that time in the world of pink, that I was myself, you know, going through that, being diagnosed and then ultimately becoming a survivor. And I am very happy to say that I am one of 3 million women in this country, in the United States alone, that are breast cancer survivors. So I like women to hear that because unfortunately we do all tend to hear or know someone whose journey, you know, unfortunately did not end well. Um, 
but there are many, many, many of us who go on to live very healthy, happy lives. And so I like to give women that, that knowledge of hope that there really is a lot of hope out there. And uh, we've come a long way in diagnosing breast cancer and treating it. So there's always hope. And of course, you know, our faith, you know, we have to have faith in a higher being, uh, whatever that being is, that ultimately um, whatever brings us to that journey will bring it through, will bring us through that journey and that our journey won't be in vain, that there will be a reason why, you, you know, we're meant to walk that path. And I truly do believe that. So, um, do you think, um, given your uh, background and experience um, with being around cancer, do you think knowing some of all that that you've um, worked in and stuff, did that help you in any way along the way with your own diagnosis? I think it did, Sam, in a couple ways. Um, first, well, first, um, I do know just from my own background in cancer research, I do know that every year they're coming out with something new, new testing, um, new therapies, new treatment plans, new treatment protocols, new clinical trials. And so I do know that we've come a long way um, from where we were, especially within the field of breast cancer. I know a lot of us, you know, whose grandmothers, mothers, grandmothers were diagnosed, aunts back in the day, you know, it was very, very brutal. Um, usually they were found very late in the diagnosis. Um, you know, it, the cancer had grown. Um, the um, screening diagnostic tools were not what they are today. I know uh, women didn't talk about it then, so they didn't have that support, that connection. And when they did have treatment for their breast cancers, it was usually, unfortunately, very, very brutal. You know, whole radical mastectomies. Um, the chemotherapy was brutal. So in that sense, having a background in cancer, I knew that there was going to be a lot of treatment options out there for me. Um, especially um, uh, within the area of being HER2 positive. We've come a long way with uh, that type of diagnosis. Uh, the drug Herceptin and Progetta, which was developed by a scientist who was actually funded by the American Cancer Society, um, his first funding for his first uh, research in his lab um, develop that drug to target those types of cancer cells, which is allowing women such as myself that are HER2 positive to lead longer and healthier lives. Um, 15 years ago, my diagnosis would have been pretty aggressive and my chances of surviving would have been much slimmer than they are now. Also because of my background, I do know that if I were to have a recurrence up, you know, ahead of us, there's going to be a lot of improved treatment as well. 
And if I, unfortunately, if I do have to cross that bridge um, down the road, I know there will probably be even better treatment plans if I should have such a recurrence. The other side of that is, and this is the most important um, part of, of the question that you're asking, I have met so many breast cancer survivors whose stories are so inspirational to me and who have been so gracious to share their most inner thoughts to me um, of what they're feeling that it gave me the courage to face my own diagnosis because I've seen the bravery and the courage that they face their diagnosis with and how successful they are with their um, with their treatment plans and their willingness to share that 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 gave me the courage to know that if they can do it I can do it and I think that's really the most um, that 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 was the most fortunate part of being in that cancer world is I got to hear, um, all the stories of those that, you know, that were to, that were able to endure um, their diagnosis and come out, you know, really triumphant, truly. Yeah. So um, that helped quite a bit. Yeah. I was really blessed with that. Mm-hmm. Um, just to go back just a little bit. Um, and we're talking about treatments. And I know you said you had to do chemo and radiation. Yes. And another kind of immunotherapy, I believe you said. Yes. Uh, how how was that experience for you when you had to go through all those treatments? Well, I will say, um, you know, several factors played into that. Um First of all, I was in excellent health, even though I was diagnosed at the age of 60. And, you know, you are getting older um, at that age, but I was in excellent health. So I was able to tackle the treatments head on. And I had a very good, um, you know, beginning um, place to work with. Um, I was fortunate to be blessed, and this is another, I guess, blessing, that from working within the field, I knew many of the oncologists, and I knew, um, you know, their practices, and I knew the medical center, the oncology medical center that I attended, I knew folks in there, so I knew that I was in good hands. Um, and it's always important for folks to be comfortable in choosing the practice, the oncologist, you know, your, um, your group that are going to take care of you. And it's always good to get a second opinion as well. So I was very comfortable in choosing um, the, the people that I had to, be, to lead my team to get me to health. Um, chemotherapy, I'm not going to, you know, brush over it. It's, 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 it's a lot of work. It's very, very frightening. Um, it's come a long way in the therapies, the therapeutics to overcome, you know, side effects such as nausea and so forth. They've come a long way, but it's brutal. It really is. But I will say once again, 
that um, no two chemotherapy treatments are the same and no two people going through the same chemotherapy as similar as they can be um, sometimes they go through it differently so I was very very blessed to have very minimal side effects I did have um, adromycin and cytoxin which is what they call the red devil uh, for four rounds which was very brutal I had a port put in a lot of people would know that which is where you know you would have your chemotherapy administered rather than having an IV um, but I tell you that you know there's uh, you tend to rely a lot on the chemo therapy nurses and technicians and staff and of course your oncologists I can't stress enough to people to when you're going through chemotherapy to ask questions no questions should be off the table no questions should make you feel silly um, or uncomfortable or embarrassed they've heard it all they've seen it all they've heard it all so um, that's very important I want folks to know that you should always ask what type of chemotherapy you're getting, why you're getting that type of chemotherapy, why you're getting it, for how long you're getting it, why you're getting it in certain uh, time frame, or why you're getting certain chemos first and second, or you're having um, preliminary um, medications to support you before your chemotherapy. Always ask all those questions and then always ask about the side effects and how you can kind of avoid some of them and get through some of them. It's always good to, you know, eat well, exercise, take in lots of hydration and water. Those things are all important to get you through chemotherapy as well. And then I, I think it's really sometimes, honestly, a state of mind. You know, I, I, I did a lot of research online. Um, I found some good, solid um, cancer uh, websites that gave me a lot of good information. And I stumbled across a video I saw of a woman my age going through chemotherapy, starting it. And she said something in her video that really resounded with me she said I learned not to be frightened of chemotherapy but to accept it because I knew I had to work with the chemotherapy and not against it because it was the only thing that I had the only tool that I had that was really going to kill those cancer cells and eliminate those cells and that's true so you really have to work through it. I mean, there's no way around it. You have to work through it and, and treat it as if it's helping you. And I think sometimes that mindset can help folks through something difficult like chemotherapy or radiation or anything else they're going through. It's something that, um, you know, you just have to get to the other side and try to do everything in your power and work with your medical team to try to keep those side effects at the bare minimum that you can do. The other thing too is I had a great support system in my family, my friends, my neighbors, and my children. And so that really helped me through it. 
I probably had it a little bit easier going through chemotherapy because I was retired. So I didn't have to work, you know, and, and try to fit that in during my work life or take um, a leave of absence. And of course, my children were adult children. And so I'm an empty nester. So I didn't have um, that, you know, um, process too of, you know, taking care of your family and small children while you're going through chemotherapy, um, both when you're working full time or even part time and you're, you know, taking care of children. That's really a lot on your plate. So always, 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 if you find yourself in that situation, reach out for help because I know people will want to help you and don't be afraid to ask for help because you're going to need it probably um, if you are finding yourself needing to work and have small children still at home. So all those things helped me through chemotherapy and some of those things, you know, made my um, journey a little bit easier. Um, but I guess just knowing, you know, that um, others, you know, went through it and I could get through it too probably helped. And then knowing that some things people would tell me I took, you know, to heart, but I, um, I didn't experience some of the things that other people experienced. So, um, do know that, you know, when you hear, um, different people's journeys, you may go through something similar or you may not experience what they've experienced. And it's just, you know, we all once again have different journeys. So, and, and same with surgery and it's really the same with radiation. We all make choices. We all have different treatment plans and we all seem to go through it um, differently. Some of us have more uh, side effects than others. And, and I can't honestly say why that is. It's, it's just, you know, it's just part of life. It's just part of our journey and what we walk through. But it is, it is tough. <laughs> and I, I, I have to honestly say, looking back, and I, I'm not quite sure how to put this into words. I think I tried in my book as best as I could, but I was very, it was the hardest thing I think I ever had to do in my life is go through chemotherapy. And I was very proud of myself for getting through it. <laughs> it was, it was very tough. And I look back on it and I thought, wow, I can't believe I did that. But I'm hoping anyone that's listening um, that are, that are currently going through it, they'll look back to, and they'll have that feeling of, of, I guess the word is accomplishment really, but it was the hardest thing I probably ever had to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I mean, I could imagine too. And I mean, I know yeah. you said you were healthy and everything, but I'm sure with your age, I mean, I know 60 is not that old, but I mean, still, right. That's, you wouldn't think that right. you would have to deal with that at that age, you know? Right. Exactly. But then again, um, it was so shocking when my mother turned 80 and she'd been healthy all her life and she was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Didn't even really have any side effects or excuse me, any, um, warning, any, you know, um, 
notices that something was wrong. It was just part of her um, general yearly physical, which is they found a swollen lymph node. But yes, and a lot of women, and I will say this, a lot of women, when they think once they hit 50s and 60s, they feel like, well, I probably won't get breast cancer, or I really don't need a mammogram once I hit this age. That can't be further from the truth. Because the older you get, uh, the percentage of women that are diagnosed with breast cancer, the largest percentage is women 55 and older. It's usually a slower growing cancer. It's not as aggressive as those in younger women. But nonetheless, they make the majority of cancer diagnosis. So every woman past the age of 40 should get a mammogram every year until the age where they become, uh, where they feel as if, as long as they're healthy, when they feel, well, if I'm diagnosed with breast cancer, I probably won't treat it. Then you might want to consider slowing down on your mammograms. But if you're healthy and you feel healthy enough to treat your cancer, if you're diagnosed, you should be getting um, a mammogram every year. But I have to say, I really was shocked <laughs> that I hit 60 and was healthy all my life. And this really came out of the blue. Yeah. And it's also a testimony for women, for anyone, men and women, to continue to remain as healthy as you can as you get older. You know, eat a healthy lifestyle, eat healthy, have a healthy lifestyle, eat lots of fruits and vegetables, minimize your, your meats, you know, and processed foods, minimize your alcohol, um, and definitely do not smoke. And try to exercise. You know, I know that's a big word. You know, eating healthy and exercising is sometimes it seems overwhelming. But that could just mean walking 20 minutes a day. Just doing something 20 minutes a day. That's all you need to do. It's important, you know, to keep healthy as you're young and as you go through, you know, your life to remain healthy. So that if you have diseases, if unfortunately you're diagnosed with any disease, you can overcome it and get through it and continue on living a very healthy and productive life and do all the things you want to do. So it's important. Try to stay healthy. And above all, try not to smoke because there is a strong link with, with cancer. And lung cancer is still the number one, um, unfortunately, um, devastating, the number one disease that folks, unfortunately, both men and women will die from is, is lung cancer. It's a very tough disease to beat. It's very beatable, but it's the number one um, percentage of those, you know, deaths from lung, from lung cancer. So above all, try not to smoke. And that includes chewing tobacco too. I think that's that's very good advice mm -hmm. to, to live by. Um, I know um, when we were talking about your book that or your memoir that you um, wrote, mm -hmm. um, and I know that that's probably a good um, a good way to help and inspire people and give them hope. Um, 
through their cancer, their own cancer journey. Um, but is there any other ways that you're um, helping to inspire and offer that same hope to fighters and survivors? Well, I try to, um, uh, in a few ways, I am a volunteer now for the American Cancer Society Reach to Recovery Program. And since COVID hit us a few years ago, this has been an online program. So I always encourage um, women and men who have been diagnosed with breast cancer who want more information about their breast cancer or want to have some support to go online to the American Cancer Society's website, which is www.cancer.org, and look into the Reach to Recovery program where you can match yourself with someone who can mentor you or can be a support to you um, through your breast cancer diagnosis. So I have been a volunteer for the Cancer Society, I'd say for the last year and a half. And I've um, probably been in touch with, and I've had probably about 25 to 30 uh, women reach out to me who have been diagnosed within the last couple of years diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'd like, I'm trying to give back in that way and to support um, women. And actually that's from all over the country, not only in my state or my community, but all over the country. I also have just started a breast cancer support group at our local public library. Our, my library carries my book in their, um, on their shelves now and um, I've agreed to start a breast cancer support group for women in my community, men and women and their caregivers um, within my community. So we had our first meeting last month. And I highly recommend um, women um, who have been touched by breast cancer to see if they have support groups within their communities. And the best way to find that out is to reach out to their oncologist, their breast surgeon, their mammography, their uh, radiology department, where they go to get, um, or to call the American Cancer Society, and they can put them in touch with um, support groups within their communities. And, and, you know, you can just attend them to see if it's something that would meet your needs or that, you know, that you feel comfortable with. But that's a great way um, for people, the opportunity for people to get support that are, you know, that have just been newly diagnosed or folks that are, you know, longtime survivors that want to, you know, pass that torch down and help others, you know, that are going through it, as well as their caregivers, because caregivers really do need a lot of support as well. They go through the diagnosis along with us. You know, they're there with us and it's sometimes very hard on them too. So they kind of need sometimes a place where they can go and share their feelings as well. So there's lots of opportunities other than reading, you know, materials and things. Um, but, you know, going out into your community, reaching out and, and finding that support to help you through 
any diagnosis. And that goes for all diseases. It's not just for cancer. It's not just obviously for breast cancer, but all cancers, as well as, you know, other diseases, heart disease, lung disease. You know, it's important for people to find that support within their community. And then also a lot of um, faith-based organizations have support as well. And lastly, I'd, I would like to include this as well. I may have, I, I probably didn't mention this, is that I also um, decided to take it upon myself to receive some therapy, some counseling, because it is such a traumatic um, diagnosis for anyone to get a cancer diagnosis that I really wanted to have someone neutral to talk with, to talk about my fears and things that I was struggling with, especially fears of recurrence. Um, so I think um, for those folks that might need it, um, it's always good to think about getting some therapy or some, you know, doing, looking into some psychological services that can help you through your diagnosis and beyond. And I, once again, I know that your oncologist or your medical facility or um, the Department of Social Services um, can help you with that as well and give you advice. So hopefully people that do get a diagnosis can reach out um, for support. And I'm hoping those people who have been through it will generously offer that support as well within their communities and their families and friends and neighbors and so forth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I think that's great. But... And podcasts such as yours yeah. <laughs> is an excellent way. <laughs> oh my goodness. I should have said that first oh, because I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. And got a lot of great, great information because you can actually hear people's stories, you know, and have them tell their stories and, and yeah. you get a lot of information that way. So what you're doing is extremely helpful yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's kind of my, my main goal since I started it was to be, um, I guess, kind of the way that your book offers advice and things like that or other stories. Like, that's kind of what this is for, like, to just remind um, others going through it that they're not alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And and like you said, like, everybody's experience is different, and I think that's what makes it so unique, too, is to hear everybody's different, their, their own testimony of how cancer impacted them. Right. You know, I think um, our journeys are all unique. But I think the heart of what we feel, the fear, um, the doubt, the fear of the unknown um, is all the same. We all, you know, the shock, I think we all go into shock when we hear of a diagnosis. I think that remains the same. Uh, fear of recurrence, I think we all um, at some point in our journey fear that and and have to overcome those those uh, feelings, not overcome them, but accept them and work with them. And I think that's where things like your podcasts really come into play because it's it's really important for folks to know, you know, those things that keep you up at night at three in the morning when you can't sleep and your wheels are turning, 
do know that there are a lot of other folks there that are up at three in the morning too with those same thoughts and feelings. And so it really is a comfort to know that there are other people that are feeling and have those feelings the same that I, that I had and that I still have. Mm -hmm. So it is very helpful to hear that. Mm -hmm. And to know that you can get through it. You know, I really always like to spread that sense of positivity and that sense of hope because um, you really, you need, you need that in your life. We all need that. Without hope, um, we really have nothing. We really have nothing to base. And that goes for all of life, no matter if you're diagnosed with a disease or not. Um, you have to have hope that are in your path you'll get through and that you'll see better days and that there are better things ahead of you right. and that there's a better purpose for you, right. an additional purpose. I am maybe in the minority of folks, and I know some folks will cringe when I say this, but I really think cancer was a blessing for me. It changed my whole outlook on life. I grew up, you know, just with wonderful childhood, wonderful life, a wonderful family with a lot of love. But I always was a worrier and I, I always attributed it to my personality. I always saw the glass as half empty. I worried about the future. I was very anxious. Um, sometimes it would border on depression. Um, I couldn't seem to get a hold of why I worried so much because I had so much that I was thankful for, so many blessings in my life. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, that changed my whole perspective on life. Um, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't worry about things. They have a tendency to take care of themselves. And ultimately, we're in God's hands and our lives are in God's hands, and we just have to just put one foot in front of the other and do the best job that we can and not worry about tomorrow because it always takes care of itself. There's always a way. And that was a lesson, a painful lesson I had to learn through cancer, but one that I learned, and it, it, it reshaped the whole, I feel it reshaped the whole second part of my life now as I'm going through the you know the last chapters of my life I can honestly say I have a, a new perspective on life and I really try to embrace each day as it comes and lives in and live in the moment not take anything for granted and not worry about anything because it all takes care of itself I love mm -hmm. that. And this this question might kind of actually just tie right into what you just said. Um, but I like to ask everyone, um, what what would you say your cancer journey experience has taught you most? It's taught me to never take anything for granted, especially your health. It's taught me that if you don't have your health, you have nothing. 
It doesn't matter what bills need to be paid, what your new home looks like, who your friends are, what you're going to wear, what your job is, what your career is or promotions. If you don't have your health, you don't take care of yourself, you have nothing. Um, but it's taught me to live in the moment and not worry about the future because that's all the moment is all you might have. So, and I, and for me personally, it was a testament to my faith in God that with him, I can do all things. And I only need to be still <laughs> to hear him. <laughs> my two favorite Bible verses. <laughs> had to get those in. <laughs> That's what it's taught me. Mm -hmm. um, question. So what is the name of your memoir? Like if people want to find it. To... Sure. Um, they can find it on Amazon. And it's called The Cancer Ladies Diary and other life stories um, by myself, Lisa Kahn's. Um, I called it the Cancer Ladies Diary. It's kind of a funny title, but I went ahead and used the title because when I worked for the American Cancer Society, I would go out into my community and I would visit, um, you know, organizations and businesses, both large and small. And I would um, give them information about cancer, different types of cancer, and the programs and services we have to support those through their diagnosis. And also talk about the events that you know they might want to be a part of, like our fundraisers and things. And inevitably, when I would walk into any business, they'd always say, oh, the cancer lady's here. <laughs> they call me the cancer lady. And I never mind being called that because I knew what they meant. I was sort of the face of the American Cancer Society. And um, you know, I just kind of chuckled at that. So when I was diagnosed and I needed a title for my book, I thought of, of that. Uh, the book is written in diary format because I journal literally my, um, my um, journey from the moment I, you know, had my diagnosis, actually even before that, all the way through to um, when I began writing my book. So it's in a diary format. So hence the title, The Cancer Lady's Diary, and then other life stories um, or other life stories about my life that have nothing to do really with breast cancer, but that have everything to do with my family and friends and love and relationships and, of course, my faith and so forth. So that's how I got the title of from that book, <laughs> for I that love, book. I love that. That's mm -hmm. so cute. <laughs> and see, and it's crazy because, you know, being called that then and who would have thought that you right <laughs> or I say in my book you know my introduction I'm formally known as like you know prince is formally known as prince I'm right. formally known as the cancer lady because of course now I'm cancer free um it's kind of a double entendre on that but um <laughs> and it's funny too because all my life my mother has all she's always wanted me to write and I used to say to 
my mom, I say, mom, I have nothing to write about. And she said, Lisa, make something up, make a story up. Well, I just didn't have a story, you know, in my mind to make up. And so when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I looked up in the head, I got in my car, looked up in the heavens and I said to my mom, well, mom, I guess I have a story to write. <laughs> I'm going to have to write about my, my journey. And that's, that's what I did. Yeah. And I dedicated my book to my mom. So I hope I made her proud. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure that you did make her proud. Thank you. I hope so. I hope so. And I hope my book, my story can help other women. I hope they'll find. Um, they'll relate to, I'm sure, a lot of my stories, both breast cancer and, and nothing having to do with breast cancer. And then I hope um, it gives them just a little bit of a reprieve chance to kind of laugh and, you know, just to kind of enjoy it, enjoy the book, actually. I hope that's, you know, hoping what that'll do for them. I think I'm going to have to look into it and um, have to buy me a copy because I'm a journaler and writer myself. So when you said it was in diary format, I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. It, it did. I was, I was, you know, I had my trusty iPhone with me throughout, you know, of course we all have our iPhones. So I took copious notes, you know, I have everything on my iPhone calendar. So I, you know, I, cause I wrote this actually going back. It actually, I should say while I was going through my treatment, it was just so incredibly overwhelming that I wasn't at a point where I could write about it. And even maybe a few months after my last treatment, I was really, really still decompressing. It, it, you know, I was really getting over what I had just experienced. And one day, uh, it actually was World Cancer Survivor Day, which is the first Sunday in June. Mm -hmm. um, I knew about it because I worked, you know, in, in that area. And I knew that that was the day I thought, you know what, I'm gonna take my laptop downstairs. And I'm just gonna make some notes, you know, look over my phone and my calendar and just see where I was and where I was this time last year, I started typing and it just poured out of me. It was just amazing. It was like I was ready to sit down and write. And then it took me about six months, I would say, from beginning to end. And then I, you know, had to edit it. Of course, my husband's an English professor, so he helped me edit. I was very fortunate and blessed, you know, to have someone edit it. And, and then that's how it was born. So it really um, was a fascinating process and one you know I'm asked will I write again I don't know <laughs> I don't know if I have another story in me <laughs> but um you know uh I'll, I'll see but um also it is on Amazon and it is um also on Kindle you can purchase it as a Kindle um in Kindle format as well so for those mm -hmm. folks that have Kindles, they might be interested in that, or a Kindle app on their phone, but using the Kindle app. Okay. Mm-hmm.
Alrighty. Well, um, is there any anything else you'd like to mention or um, anything else you'd like to say before we? No, it's just I want to thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity and this hour to join you on your podcast. I really, truly appreciate it. And I do appreciate all you're doing um, with your podcast as well. And I hope maybe you will journal and you will put some thoughts down on paper. And I would love to read maybe what, what you're going to write. But I do appreciate the time that you've given me um, to share my story. I really do. Of course. And thank you for um, your willingness to share. And I know that it'll, I'm sure it'll be a inspiration to somebody out there that's listening. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I thank you again. And um, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. <laughs> You take good care. All righty. You too. All righty. Bye-bye. 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 Want to have the opportunity to share your own cancer journey right here on this podcast? Be sure to follow the link in the description of this episode. Click on the block that says podcast questionnaire. Fill out the quick five to six question form, then submit. I will contact you within 24 to 48 hours with the email you provided in the form. So please make sure it's a primary email that you use. I look forward to connecting with you soon.